listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. Love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it. The, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Beyond the Game program, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson, and we're so glad to have you here with us as well as we talk sports from a faith-based point of view. BTGprogram.com is where to find us, or you can follow us at BTG Program. Zach, let's get right into this week's show. The baseball pro season is in full swing. We've had plenty of drama and plenty of entertaining games, but despite this being the highlight of the baseball season, there's been a tremendous amount of talk, it seems, about the health of the game and its relevance among younger sports fans. Last week, for instance, the opening game of the Yankees Twin Series, you got two power hitting teams. They seem evenly matched. This is the network's opportunity to sell its product. They can wax nostalgic about the history of baseball, of October baseball, the rich tradition of the game. But no, on Major League Baseball's own network, they have Bob Costas basically going on about how unwatchable the game has become. Now, are you kidding me? Bob Costas is welcome to have his opinion. And I'm sure it comes as no surprise to anybody that he's not a fan of how some of the younger players play the game today. Baseball is trying its best to market the game to younger fans. We all know that. They want to sell the flashy. They want to sell the bat flips. That's what their marketing campaign this postseason is all about. We play loud. Now, Bob Costas and many others of the old guard type, which, by the way, includes me, they may not like it. And I don't necessarily like it. Get off but my was this lawn. the place or the time to be talking about it? It seemed to me like there's been all summer to talk about those types of things. And in a few weeks, there'll be plenty of time in the postseason if you want to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. I would submit to you that Bob Costas is unwatchable. I <laughs> I was watching that game and I'm listening. And, you know, as I'm watching these games and they're going to Bob Costas and they're going to Verducci and Ken Rosenthal and stuff. And I was like, by and large, these guys add nothing. You know, guys like Verducci and especially Bob Costas were going on and on and on. And I'm like, you know, I know these guys are considered like, you know, sports media royalty and they're thought very highly of. But really, they're just verbose. You know, they're very wordy. They say a lot, but they don't really add a lot of substance. And so I was watching that and I'm thinking, well, I kind of see why they're struggling to add younger viewers because most of the coverage is old guys talking about how Ronald Acuna is too flashy and he's ruining the game. Newsflash, he's awesome and he's adding so much to the game that it needs to be marketable. So that, to me, the, what you're talking about with the broadcast is part of the problem, not the solution. My co-host is much younger than I am. He likes the brash, in-your-face approach of today's game. He welcomes the bat flips and such. And while the fan base of baseball has always skewed older, the general consensus is that grabbing the young generation is essential. It's critical to the overall health of the game. And I question, is that really so? Or could it be that baseball is a bit of an acquired taste? Is it possible that fans might trend towards the game as they get older? Maybe not having an interest right now, but as they get older, they will. I think possibly that would be the case because there's a lot of behind-the-scenes type of stuff that you have to learn to really understand it. There's a lot of strategy behind 
calling pitches and calling plays and hitting runs and all those sort of things that your average kid's not going to understand that you need to be a little older for. Um, but I also think a big part of it is good parenting, right? You know, how did we learn about baseball? We learned probably because we had a parent that enjoyed it, or in my case, a grandparent that enjoyed it. And I sat on my grandmother's lap and watched and she told me about it. And I think uh, maybe kids are missing out on sitting and watching games with their parents. I, I, I don't know, but I feel like that's an important part of growing the game as well. Now I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I'm smarter than I look. And I'm smart enough to identify that while I may not like the bat flips, I may not like the loud play, if you will, I understand that's just my preference. There is probably nothing inherently wrong with that style. It's just my preference. Is it up to Bob Costas to determine how the game should be played? Of course not. And no disrespect to Costas, but I, ba- I-, I doubt some guy in his 20s, really cares about what Costas or I think about the direction of the game. Now, that said, I would say this. Man, be careful what you wish for. And we've had this conversation a billion times. And I still maintain that with the bat flips comes more emotion. Perhaps even more aggressive emotions from the pitcher, from the team who gave up the home run in a big moment, which led to that bat flip. They're not going to appreciate the showmanship as much as the fans. And, and I, I believe you run the risk of brawls, retaliation, or maybe that's what the young fans really want. They like the brutality. They like the fights. They like the blood sports, and they want more of it. This is not to be critical of the M- MMA, but why do people like it so much? Because of its brutality. And you know, you mentioned how much emotion comes with things like the bad flips and and celebrations and those sorts of things. And I think what it comes down to for me is just don't care what other guys do. If you're a pitcher and a guy hits a homer off you and flips his bat to the moon, well, you didn't get him out. If you're a batter and the pitcher pumps his fist and yells and, you know, does a dance when he gets you out, well, he got you out. You know, like, you know, everyone's upset at Ronald Acuna for bat flipping and whatever. Well, on the other side of the field, here's Carlos Martinez with the Cardinals doing a throat slash gesture at the Braves while talking about how disrespectful Acuna is. Why is it not okay for Acuna to flip his bat, but it's okay for you to do a throat slash on the mound and yell at the other dugout? Like, it's just, it's incredibly unself-aware. I think what you have to get into these players' heads is just get the guy out, let him do what he does, you do what you do, and stop caring so much. Well, certainly not okay to do the throat slash thing, Mm -hmm. but isn't that easier said than done? I I mean, when you're playing and you get in the emotion of it all, it's hard to just not notice what the other guy is doing. Yeah, but I I just, we see it with this mentality. We saw it in the Braves game when they got eliminated the other day of one team falls behind. Now we're going to throw at the other team. We don't like what Mm -hmm. they're doing. We're going to throw at them. Well, how about instead of throwing at them and letting your emotions get the best of you, how about you just get them out next time? Maybe that would be a better idea. So what baseball is ultimately going to try to do is keep everybody happy. Embrace the rich traditions of the game, while at the same time embracing the styles that will appeal to a new generation of sports fans. And if they can do that, they will have done something few people have been able to accomplish. You know the church in many ways is in a similar place. There is a desire to appeal to younger people who don't necessarily like the old ways. One might say that it's better to be relevant than stale, 
But is being relevant really enough? Sure, I'd like to see the church be relevant, but I want to see it be so much more than relevant. Great coffee and good music might be able to make a ministry relevant so that people want to be a part of it on Sunday morning, but is its message impacting their lives? Or are they just there to be part of what is relevant today? And tomorrow they'll move along to whatever is relevant then. And I'm not trying to bask in the old-time glory days that probably were never really as good as they are in our memories, but cultural relevance is simply not the answer. Trying to be culturally relevant is turning the church into followers instead of leaders. Chasing cultural relevance can give us a false sense of success because the goal of ministry isn't relevance. It's to be life-changing. Chasing relevancy causes ministries to spin its wheels, more or less throw things against the wall to see what sticks. The latest book on church trends comes out and leadership heads off in a new direction, implementing new programs, new procedures. Ministry is not about relevance. It's about reality. It's about people living, me living my life, oftentimes messy life right next to other people's real and messy lives. My, our lives intersecting. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is unchanging. It's never really been popular, and I don't suspect that that's going to change anytime soon. But it will change your life. Involving people in the most significant initiative known to man, and that's touching people with the gospel, producing and then reproducing disciple-makers, and extending the kingdom of God— Well, that comes by the power of God's Spirit. It's not a result of slick marketing, good music, high-quality graphics, or even great coffee. The church in America is losing its way. And some statistics say that as many as 4,000 churches are closing their door each year. And there are some surveys that say that number is even larger. And I think a large part of the problem is that people are coming for the wrong reasons. They're coming for things which ministries present to be relevant. And those things just aren't the things which change lives. They may be nice. I'm not against them, but they're not sustainable. They're not life-changing. I want to see people coming to church to meet Jesus every week, not coming to meet with friends, coming to praise God, not just coming to sing songs that have a catchy melody which they enjoy. Why don't we see the transformational power of the cross in the church today? It's because in many cases, The church needs more repentance, not more relevancy. Believers need to be less focused on themselves and more focused on the cross of Jesus Christ. Take our prayers. Typically, we're praying in one of three categories. Heal me, hand me, or help me. Heal me, Lord. Give me this, Lord. Or help me with this, Lord. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with asking those things, of course. But compare that to how Paul prayed when writing the book, of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. From prison, by the way, Paul doesn't pray for what God can do for the people of his church, but he prays for what God can do in them. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4, 14 through 21. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth 
and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. First off, Paul is asking that the church be strengthened through the Spirit. Verse 16, why? So that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith. Secondly, Paul's desires to see people rooted and grounded in God's love. Verse 17, And the third thing that Paul prays for is that the church would be filled with the fullness of God. That means emptied of themselves in order to be filled with God. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, he will testify of me. When we are filled with the Spirit, we will tell people about Jesus. And lastly, that God's power would be on full display in and through the lives of his people, verse 20. That's not necessarily culturally relevant, but it will impact the lives of those who are strengthened by God's Spirit, rooted and grounded in His love, and filled with the fullness of God so that the power may be real in their lives. I want to challenge you to ask God to do something in you instead of for you. Strengthen you in His Spirit. Ground you in His love. Empty you of yourself and fill you with the fullness of God, and that his power may be real in and through your life. We'll be back in just a bit along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. Time now to look back on the week in Roberts Wesleyan College Athletics. This is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Wednesday, October 9th. The Red Hawks recap is being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. The Roberts Wesleyan women's volleyball team found themselves down 2-0 Friday night at home, but rallied to defeat Queens College 3-2 for their first win of the season. They were back at it again Saturday afternoon against Mercy College, falling 3-1. In soccer last Saturday, both the women's and men's teams earned wins over Queens College. First for the women, senior Genevieve Palmer and freshman Morgan Rosano and Stevie Lynn Diggory each scored goals in a 3-0 shutout victory. On the men's side, sophomore Dylan Ruiz continued his blistering scoring streak with two more goals, while senior Terrell Spencer also added a goal in the 3-2 Red Hawks win. Ruiz now has 11 goals on the season, and Spencer has four. The Red Hawks soccer teams are home for two dates in the week ahead. On Wednesday, October 16th, New York Tech will be the opponent with the women's match starting at 5, followed by the men at 7.30 p.m. Then on Saturday, October 19th, it's Malloy College visiting the Roberts campus for matches against the women's team at 1 p.m. and the men's team at 3.30. Go on out and support the Red Hawks. They are, after all, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester. And, of course, you can stay up to date with all the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics action on their website, robertsredhawks.com. You'll find news, scores, highlights, and bunch more. And you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWCRedHawks. This has been the Red Hawks Recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. If you know a high school athlete looking to become their best self, think Roberts Wesleyan College. Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts. We recently won six conference titles. Our teams have made three NCAA national championship appearances and 96 student athletes were named East Coast All-Conference. 
And Roberts has the only NCAA Division II program in Greater Rochester. Tell the athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. It's sports talk from a faith-based point of view. In fact, it's sports talk without all the trash talk. This program is recorded in the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, and it's heard all around the world via podcast. Among the many places downloading last week's show was Snellville, Georgia, located just about 30, 40 minutes or so east of Atlanta. Former NFL kicker Jason Elam graduated from high school in Snellville, spent many years with the Denver Broncos, but also a couple with the hometown Atlanta Falcons. The NBA's Lou Williams, currently on the L.A. Clippers, also graduating from high school in Snellville. He, too, played a couple of years with the local team, in this case, the Atlanta Hawks. To those of you in Snellville, Georgia, wherever it is you're listening from, we thank you for being with us as well. Here's Zach Barletta to give us this week's shenanigans statements all right number one a letter sent to penn state football player jonathan sutherland went viral on twitter this week when a psu fan sent him a letter calling on him to cut his quote awful dreadlocks and calling his tattoos disgusting Mm. the fan dave peterson also expressed his desire to see a dress code reinstated for players truth or shenanigans players appearance should have to conform to a set standard shenanigans personally you know I like it, but teaching at a high school, I know just how passionate young people are about their style choices and freedom of dress, and, you know, I shame on that fan for calling out that student. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, shame on him. That's his preference. He doesn't know the personalities of the team. I, I like seeing players travel in dress jackets and dress coats, I guess, but again, that's my preference. I wouldn't impose it on everybody. Each team could set standards as they see fit. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, no, I don't think they should do that. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, shenanigans. Look, at, he's a college kid. Right. He's playing football. He's not getting paid to play football. You know, would I wear dreadlocks? No. Do I like? I'm I sure do. they'd look good on you. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I have a tattoo. I like tattoos, but that's you know, obviously, there's there's people that don't. That's fine. But, I mean, is there a more get-off-my-lawn moment than writing a letter to a football player at the school you went to and telling him to cut his hair and cover his tattoos? Like, it's it's just so ridiculous that I'm having trouble finding the words to express my feelings about it because it's just, it's ridiculous. Let him play. Let him have fun. Let him have purple dreadlocks if he wants to. Who cares? Right. Leave him alone. Number two, truth or shenanigans, we all overrated Baker Mayfield and the Browns. What do you think, Zach? I say shenanigans because if you look at the roster, it's a really talented roster. There are a lot of really good football players. I still believe Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback in that draft class. He went number one for a reason. The offensive line is bad. I I really believe the problem is a front office problem. I think Freddie Kitchens, we talked about before, seems to be in over his head. 
Um, if the rumors are true that John Dorsey made Freddie Kitchens the coach because he wanted somebody that would be beneath him and still have to answer to him, um, then look, that's on Dorsey and that's a personal problem with him. But uh, I think the leadership on this team needs to get things together and figure out where they're going because there's too much talent on this roster for them to have the record that they do. You know, I'm going to say shenanigans as well. We didn't all overrate Baker, Mayfield, and the Browns. I was one of those people who did not understand. Unlike you, I know you're a big Baker Mayfield fan. I, I like the player, but I didn't think he. I, I didn't like him at number one. Uh, not as above some of the other guys available. You know how much I like Josh Allen, mm-hmm. and he didn't go to my Giants. Uh, I'm happy he's with the Bills. But uh, that said, I do think Mayfield has the potential to be a really, really good quarterback. But the way he responds to criticism, I, I, I just get the sense that he. He thinks he's already there. You know, even for the best, it doesn't come easy. I I think he'll settle in. I think he'll be a good quarterback, in my opinion. I just don't think he's going to ever live up to the hype and expectations that come with being the number one draft pick and potential savior of the Cleveland Browns. I think he'll be good. But I do think it was a little bit um, overrated mm-hmm. in many instances. But I can't say we all, so shenanigans on the statement. I think a lot of the hype with Baker Mayfield it has reached levels where it won't be satisfied unless he wins an MVP and a Super Bowl. You know, I think that's that's sort of the expectations that a lot of people have had for him, which are probably unrealistic. Number three, the National League Division Series will be a letdown compared to the Dodgers Nationals uh, yeah. NLCS. <laughs> well, that, that's easy. I mean, maybe not, but... I'm going to say I agree because that was such a terrific series. Mm-hmm. And to for the Nationals to win it the way they won it in the 10th inning with a grand slam, oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'd be shocked if you have another series with that was that exciting. You know, a team that the Dodgers should have rolled through them by all intents and purposes, but um, they didn't. The Nats came to play. Yeah, I feel bad for Clayton Kershaw because he's so good. And he's been so good for such a long time, and his reputation now is just, oh, playoff choker. And I don't think it's fair to him, but uh, I do feel bad for him. But yeah, like that series, for the National League, that almost was the World Series. You know, like those two teams, there was so much drama, there was so much back and forth, so much action, so many superstars on both teams. Um, Look, uh, Nationals-Cardinals will be fun. It will be interesting. I don't believe the Cardinals are anywhere near the Nationals level, so it may be a short series. But, um, yeah, that series was wild. And uh, just to think that one of the Nationals or Cardinals is going to be in the World Series kind of blows my mind. (laughs) When we come back, something encouraging. It's our You Like That segment. Stick with us along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program. You're listening to Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Beyond the Game is listener-supported. You can help by making a one-time gift or perhaps even committing to a monthly pledge amount. And if you own a business, consider advertising during the Beyond the Game program and promote your business to large audiences of both sports fans and people of faith. Please join us as we seek to encourage, equip, and evangelize through Sports Talk Radio. Visit our website at btgprogram.com for more information or make a donation via PayPal Secure Servers. Beyond the Game thanks you for both your financial and prayerful support. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College, where athletics are fundamental to our commitment to educate for character. 
Our athletic program is strong and getting stronger every year. We offer 17 varsity sports, from lacrosse and basketball to track and field and soccer, and the only Division II athletic program in the area. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Welcome back into the program. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. It has become a tradition on this program to end the show with something we found encouraging from the world of sports. And this week, man, there were so many things to choose from. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, who helped the sideline photographer he had run into during a play, but then checking in on her a few days later to see how she was. Roberts Wesleyan College volleyball player Emily Rowlandson profiled on the Red Hawks profile on YouTube for her work with children with special needs. But I settled on the story a friend of mine shared on Facebook this week, so it may go back a while. I really have no idea when the original post was. That's irrelevant anyway, as it doesn't change the fact that I like it all the same. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10 says, A righteous man has regard for the life of his animal. Members of the St. Joseph High School cross-country team in California invited more than a dozen shelter dogs to go on their morning run with them. Each teammate was paired with a dog from the Santa Barbara County Animal Shelter before heading out on their morning run as one big group. I'm not sure who was more excited and having the most fun, the dogs or the kids, team coach Luis Escobar said. Either way, it was a great time, and I'm sure we will do it again sometime soon. If you've seen the video... Man, I can tell you, you can see the joy in both the animals and, 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 and in the kids. The St. Joseph High School cross-country team taking shelter dogs on their morning run is like what that. I like this like week. That. But there's also, I want to share this heroic story, too, from the outdoor sporting world. DEC Forest Rangers and New York State Police Aviation Unit rescued a hiker who had fallen 60 feet into a crevice in Minnewaska State Park. In the Shawangunk Mountains down in the Catskills area, the hiker had suffered back and ankle injuries. Forest Rangers Mark Brand and Howard Kreff responded to the scene to provide ground support, while Forest Ranger Kevin Slade worked with the New York State Police Aviation out of Newburgh, New York, to hoist the hiker to safety. And a special shout-out to the folks down in the area. I grew up in this area. The Accord Fire Department, as well as the Kerhonkson Accord First Aid Squad, who also responded to the scene. Things that I like this week. What I like this week is something that Yankees shortstop Didi Gregorius has been doing. Whenever he homers and crosses the plate, you may have noticed from watching that he flashes like an I love you sign towards the television cameras. And he's doing that for 20-year-old Danielle DeSimone. She has been battling acute myeloid leukemia. Her former high school teacher met Didi Gregorius uh, by chance and had a bat signed for her, shared with Didi her story. Didi went on to send her a care package of autographed uh, merch and uh, called her to check in and see how he was doing and told her, I'll do this sign for you whenever I'm on camera when I hit a home run just to help cheer you up and encourage you. And uh, so he's been doing that ever since. Didi Gregorius looking after his 20-year-old friend who's recovering from cancer is what I liked this week. That's it for us this week. Remember that this radio program is only on the air thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners. It's because of your prayers and it's because of your financial gifts that make the Beyond the Game program possible. I'd ask you to please pray about becoming a supporter of this radio ministry. And if you feel led to give a gift of any amount at all, visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold, 
Be great this week, everybody. <laughs>